This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. I'm joined, as always, by Nick Horwat. This is Season 2, Episode 8. We are drawing ever so near to the 2020-21 season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we have a lot to talk to you guys about this week. Of course, the NHL schedule dropped last Wednesday, right before Christmas. So we'll get into the scheduling. We'll get into what that looks like and how the prospectus looks for the Pittsburgh Penguins heading into the season. And then after a quick break, we're going to come back and talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins defense. We did talk about them at the outset of the offseason, but a lot has changed since then. We will discuss what the Penns defense core looks like heading into training camp in just under one week. And then, of course, we'll finish it off with our Pens poll. That is the rundown for this episode. But before we get started on all of that, let's check in with my good pal, with my buddy, Nicholas J. Horwat. How are you doing and how was your Christmas? Uh, a very nice Christmas. I mean, it's not a Christmas where you can do much, but that's okay. I mean, Christmas Day also is a ton of snow up here and it rained the day before. So it's not like we may have gone anywhere anyway as a family. <laughs> Uh, we may have tried to force it if it had not been for a virus, but I mean, snowed a lot. It was a white Christmas in Pittsburgh for once rather than a uh, dark gray-brown one. Um, Christmas Eve, it was very rainy and dark, but uh, it was a great Christmas. Um, yeah, nothing else to it. On our way to New Year's, which will probably be another quiet day. Yeah, New Year's is definitely going to be one day that not as many people are doing what they usually do. That's for I sure. usually take New Year's uh, low and, you know, mellow anyway. I don't like the whole big New Year's party. I mean, yeah, I've done that a couple times, but, I mean, shit, one of the best New Year's I've ever had was me and you and our other friend who's named Nick. <laughs> uh, Nick Ballard just hung oh, out in my basement all night. That was a hell of a night. That we had a, We had a Nerf war that night, and I don't think I know where those guns went. Yeah, that was definitely a night to remember. That was fun. We ended up playing. We ended up playing video games, not video games, but like a trivia Trivial game or something. Trivial Pursuit on too. Xbox Trivial One. Trivial Pursuit, exactly. I couldn't remember what it was. I, for some reason, I was thinking Wheel of Fortune, but I knew that was. Wrong. I think the name Shoehead is still on that game. By the way, <laughs> I know Bastard Chef is, and I'm pretty sure Shoehead is too. Uh, so I, I've left my mark in the Horwat household, is what you're you saying. You and Ballard both. <laughs> Love to hear it. Love to hear it. My Christmas was pretty good as well. Uh, weather, like you said, did not really. I mean, it was a white Christmas. Mm -hmm. I, I did add to my collection of hockey books by a large margin. I think I have eight new hockey nice. books, so I'll have to send you over the ones I have and let you know which ones I like. I know I'm very excited about. I got the Bobby Orr autobiography, so I'm excited about that one. And I also got the Doc Emmerich one, mm -hmm. so I'm very excited to read that as well. Currently, still reading uh, Gretzky 99 Stories of the Game. So I got I got to finish up from last year's books before I head into this year's. Yes, I'm a nerd. I like to read about hockey. Too. That's all right. Was but, it uh, was it the after hours where I just openly admitted to not reading a lot? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you did. You said I don't read basically. Yeah, because you asked how I was able to grab my senior yearbook so quickly, and I said it's just it takes up spot in my minimalist bookshelf. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's uh, that that's our Christmases if yeah. any. Of if you guys, any of you listeners cared to, to, to hear about that. But uh, before we get going, I do want to shout one other thing out. We are currently doing a giveaway and will be doing a giveaway until New Year's Day. We're giving away a signed Teddy Bluger puck. So head on over to our Twitter page, at Iceberg Podcast. All you have to do is retweet our pinned tweet, comment on it with tagging two friends, and make sure you follow us at Iceberg Podcast. We currently just hit, as of recording this literally 15 seconds ago, we just hit 500 followers on Twitter. So thank you to all of our followers, the day one followers, and even the followers that just joined. We hope we entertain you. We hope you enjoy the show. And we hope we can teach you or, or help you understand the Pittsburgh Penguins. Or just you could follow along for some laughs and disagree with us if you want because that's what we're here to do. But a uh, thank you to everybody that has been following so far and thank you to everybody that's going to be following once we get from 500 hopefully the next step's a thousand so we'll keep working on absolutely that. and yes thank you to everyone who's following and it is actually six more than the caps chirp podcast so 
Ooh. I know they like to go back and forth with um, who has more followers and whatnot, but being six up on them is kind of nice for now. Hey, six up is good, and, and that is a lead that could fluctuate because they are a very good show and they can garner follows out all of, out of nowhere. But only one of us hit 500 first, and that's the tip of the iceberg. But let's get into the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. NHL released their full schedule, 56 games in 115 days. Some quick facts about the Penguins schedule itself. Only six scheduled back-to-back. So the NHL did a good job of not hammering on only back-to-backs right now. But at the same time, the Penguins have no more than two days between games at any point during the season. So the NHL did leave itself some space to possibly slide in some makeup games because of how spread out and they don't have too many back-to-backs. But at the same time, not a lot of off time for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But luckily, most of the schedule is paired in twos, games of two. Whenever you're in Washington, you're going to play two games there. If you have two games against New York at home, you're playing two games there. So that'll reduce the travel schedule, which will help the Pittsburgh Penguins. Also, the fact that you're playing only interdivision games. You play each team in your division, which we mentioned on our last episode and discussed how difficult this division is, eight times against each of those teams. The furthest the Penguins will have to travel is to Boston, only a 90-minute charter flight there. And then, of course, February is the one month that I kind of keyed with their schedule. They play the Islanders six times in the month of February, and they also only play the Washington Capitals and the New York Islanders the final two and a half weeks of that month. So we're going to see a lot of similar games and a lot of rivalry games there at the end of February. Just some; Those were just some notes that I found. Horat, what did you think whenever you, you looked down the schedule? Um... They didn't go with the block schedule like I had predicted, which actually kind of makes sense because there's just too many moving parts with doing block scheduling like that. Um, I just figured that would be a way to handle a COVID situation. But it, the way it looks, I mean, my other prediction was right, was right where they were going to attempt like a baseball style where it's multiple games against the same team uh, in the same arena. So... Yeah, I mean, you mentioned some stats where there's not a ton of back-to-backs. I'm looking at it now, and yeah, I didn't realize that. There really aren't, I mean, not off that I can pick up, a lot. there aren't that many, and uh, that's a really good situation to have because it gives you rest. And I think that's how it went through the whole league, and I think that's probably what they wanted to do was um, let ev- have every team play as many games as they could in a short amount of time, but also give them all rest so they're not blowing them up because... I mean, f- there's a reason why football is only played once a week. These are these are rough sports, and you can't push them to go three days in a row, and then you can't, in this situation, you can't push them to go three days in a row and then take damn near a week off. So doing pretty much every team just about every other day, uh, that makes the most sense. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's not like, the, like these guys have concerts to worry about um, with, within the home arenas, so... It'll be interesting, and um, it looks like we have yet to see when the reverse retro schedule is released. I'm just reading tweets and replies because, um, yeah, that'll be so. Once that gets put out, too, I'm sure we'll be looking forward for that. I know I will. You, you said you saw a reverse retro in person today, and you didn't buy it, which I'm still ashamed. I of bought you, new shoes. I'm excited to see it on the ice. Hey, I was given this one for Christmas, the one behind me on the screen, the uh, Calgary Flames one, and I have one already maybe i'm sure i'll get one later i mean it's just although also they didn't have my size i did go back and look after you told me they didn't have my size or they didn't have my size so you you would have went back and got i was just looking because i was taking a phone call at the same time but so i was just glancing at them but they didn't have my size so i wouldn't have gotten one anyway because i would not have spent money on the real one yeah, you, you say that now, but at the same time, it wasn't hard to talk you into getting a Sidney Crosby authentic jersey while we were in New York Because that wasn't full price. Just visiting the NHL It store. wasn't full price. You remember this. Well, it technically was, but they hit somebody Exactly, so I was able to get it basically half off. There was, I wouldn't have gotten that one at full price either. Fair enough. So, I've reasoning behind everything. But I do want to uh, quickly mention that Fanatics and the reverse retro, and then we can get back to schedule stuff. The Fanatics Reverse Retro looks exactly like the Adidas one. Like, Fanatics is known for, like, you know, messing with the collars. 
they didn't do that at all with these new ones they look the exact same in fact the nhl logo is still there it's not the shiny metallic one it's just a little stitched but it looks the exact same so if anyone's looking for a reverse retro uh dick sporting goods are like a buck 69 no free ads and the fanatics ones look pretty good so save some money get a cheaper one for what it looks the exact same there you go this is jersey tips we're, we're not necessarily jersey jesus tom franklin no. who was on our, our show a couple weeks ago but still giving you some tips and, and tricks yeah. to get the new pens reverse retro jersey but as you said back to the, the scheduling yes. here bring, reining it back what was your thoughts whenever you saw opening night two games in philadelphia on opening weekend i mean the first one is one of four games on the 13th so we are one of the first yeah. 14 games 14 games one of the first eight teams in the first four games playing on that opening night against the philadelphia flyers similar to how we opened up the 2020 stanley cup playoffs with an exhibition game against the philadelphia flyers what were your thoughts when you saw that we were going to be in philly i mean you knew right away we we're going to be playing a rival because that's just the name of the game but um i didn't know what i mean i was indifferent it, i was more or less just happy that we had a whole schedule at all and that there was no more waiting on official start dates or when we'll be playing games like now i can start setting my life schedule around this and you know it's stuff to, it's stuff to look forward to and it's exciting to see and it's a thing in front of us and it's also our last away game in may third and fourth back to back in philly and then we come back home against buffalo but um more or less yeah i was just excited that we had hockey at all and that it was a physical thing to look at yeah whenever i first saw the schedule i i knew it was coming out that wednesday but when it came out and i saw we were playing philadelphia i went to look at the rest of the beginning of the schedule like the beginning to the middle to the end of that month so the rest of the january schedule i was like oh we're starting wow philadelphia then washington then the rangers then boston and the rangers again i said that's a tough start to the schedule and i thought to myself wait a minute that's the entire it's schedule because that's season. all we're gonna be doing i mean yeah throw in the devils the islanders and buffalo in there but at the same time that is the entire schedule it is going to be four straight months of basically rivalry games because we mentioned last week even buffalo and new jersey those are pretty decent rivals for the pittsburgh penguins as of late so it is going to be a shotgun season. It is going to be quick. We're getting into the important games right off the bat. And because it is only against division teams and because you're only stacking up against your division rivals in the standings when it comes to qualifying for the playoffs, every one of these games just gets that much more important. And like you mentioned, they play Philadelphia in the third and fourth to last games of the season. These games are all going to be important for every standings point down to the last month. So the push for the playoffs this year is going to be that much more entertaining as well. So I'm excited for the entirety of it. I'm excited for day one against Philadelphia. Of course, we're about a week or so away from the beginning of training camp. And like we said, we'll get into the Penguins defense as of late. But before we continue, I just want to mention really quickly that we are brought to you as always by Manscaped, the best in men's electric trimmer. And you can get that pretty much at a discounted rate for a Boxing Day rate, I guess is what you could say. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code THPN for 20% off and free shipping. You can't get anything better than that because shipping, especially right now, shipping can get egregious. So get that free shipping. Get that extra 20% off with code THPN. But Horwat, we have a full schedule, and it almost still doesn't feel real that the NHL is coming back in about three weeks right so what is the one matchup you're looking forward to the most i mean we're gonna play each team eight times but what matchup the first time we see a team are you looking forward to most damn it they don't play on my birthday again figures <laughs> they didn't play on mine they didn't play either. on yours either oh <laughs> uh, which one am i most looking for that's hard you know what the matchup i'm looking forward to it's not going to be a team it's going to be the first game where there's a crowd in either city whether it's a home or away game the first game with a crowd obviously it probably limited capacity but the first game that the penguins play with a crowd is going to be a big one i mean we know that the penguins won't let people back in 
until we get the okay from the state and local officials. And then it's going to be season ticket holder priority through um, probably a lottery system, I believe they said. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how many people are allowed in these arenas. I think some states like Florida is one of them and maybe Texas are going to be starting the season with crowds or at least trying to. Yeah, there's four teams and it's Dallas, Florida, Tampa, and I think ten- Nashville as well. Okay, that makes the most sense. Um, because Dallas was doing watch parties for the Cup, so they've kind of had crowds, and we've seen Cowboys games already. We've seen a ton of football games in Florida with crowds, so they'll be the first ones back with crowds. And it'll be interesting to see, but I think the first game played for a Penguins team in front of a crowd uh, is the one I'm looking forward to most because, yeah, hockey's great to be back, but um, having that real atmosphere is different it's special you know you're missing it quite often and i can't think of which state would be the first to let up here because we're obviously it's not gonna be pennsylvania new york's got three teams in this division so there goes most of the of the division really Mm -hmm. um new jersey's basically new york jr (laughs) and then there's boston which yeah and D.C. is very, very strict, so I highly doubt they're going to be anytime soon also, seeing fans. It's also not a state, but yeah. <laughs> it isn't, but it, it plays by the same rules. It's up to D.C. legislature, and yeah. they're very, very strict on who is allowed into the district. And yes. I'm sure they're going to be very strict as to everything else, considering all the Smithsonian's are still closed. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, that could be a while, but uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe come March. Excuse me, I see they play the day after my birthday and it's a home game who knows <laughs> maybe i'm at that game i mean who knows how quickly this turns around but it'll be interesting i think that's gonna be the most important uh game i'm highlighting on the schedule though whichever one is gonna be the first one with a crowd home or away yeah i'm looking forward to that as well i'm very excited to see hockey back regularly but at the same time at, at this season we're not going to see a full stadium. It's it's not possible. Yes, the vaccine is out. Yes, people are getting vaccinated. But at the same time, it's not going to happen at a rate that we can see before June, a full stadium full of fans. But it will be exciting to see any fans in it. Like you mentioned, watching football games, even when there's even a little bit of fans, the Browns versus the Ravens a couple weeks ago, they only had a, however many fans, and it was an electric atmosphere. Now, that was Cleveland. They finally have something to be excited about, so that has to be factored in as well. But I agree with you that I'm very excited for that. But looking at the schedule, I'm most excited for that first matchup against the New York Rangers because yeah. I'm very excited, not only because is that an electric team and was that an electric team last year, but I'm looking for January 22nd, at PPG Paints Arena, the first game, Sidney Crosby versus Alexis Lafreniere. And that is going to be a matchup that we're going to see eight different times this year. That is a matchup we have not seen before. And we get to see really early in the season what this rookie is made of. Is he going to come out of the gates as the number one overall pick, the franchise-changing guy that he has been touted? Or is he going to have a slow start similar to what happened last year with Capo Caco in New York? So, that is the matchup that I'm, I'm most excited to see out of the gate. Now, of course, all of these matchups are going to be interesting, but that one specifically I have circled on my schedule. Probably the second game I have I've circled behind that opener against Philadelphia. Yes, I'm excited for Washington, but it's going to be a long haul, the eight games against the Washington Capitals, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, these are, it's going to be – this whole thing is going to be interesting because these are normally games on a normal schedule that we – as fans would look at and be like, all right, must wins. They're rivalry games for the most part, and they're entertaining, barring, you know, Buffalo being there. But most of them, those are games where you look at and you say, all right, that's going to be a bloodbath, and it's going to be fun to watch. Let's come out with a win. Now we have to do that 56 times, right? Yep. Now we have to say that 56 times. That's exhausting. It's going to be an exhausting season as a fan too, I think. Not only that, but if the Pittsburgh Penguins, which I at this current moment, I fully expect them to make the playoffs. I have faith in that. Mm-hmm. But if the Penguins make the playoffs, then you go into a seven-game series against one of these teams that you just played eight times in the regular season. The playoffs even 
with the way that this schedule is laid out, the playoffs are even going to be that much more exciting. So I'm very excited. Any NHL fan right now should be pumped up for this regular season. I mean, it's been 10 months since we've had all 31 teams in action. There are a couple games or a couple days in this schedule where all, well, well, 30 of the 31 teams get to play with 15 game days. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about a lot of things right now because hockey is almost back. And it has been a really long haul since we've been able to say, yes, we're going to have hockey on a consistent basis. And yes, Pittsburgh Penguins fans, you're going to get to see more than four games. So your patience has paid off. Before we get to a break really quickly, I do want to run one thing by mm -hmm. you. They're saying they're going to start doing advertisements on the helmet to make a little bit extra money, which I understand. Have you seen what it's looked like at the World Juniors? Of course, Team USA having Chipotle right across their forehead. Have you seen any of it, and what are your thoughts on I it? I haven't seen Team USA with Chipotle, but that's amazing. I love that. Um, I also didn't know it was right across the front. I saw the Devils and the Capitals with theirs on the sides. That makes so much sense, and it's perfect. Yeah, and that might be the way they go with it, but I just, from what I saw at World Juniors, it was Chipotle across the forehead. And then, so they might be doing the side, and that might be for Pittsburgh. I would, what, PPG? So, so far it's been, if it's just been those two teams, the Devils and the uh, Capitals, it's been their home arena advertising. I mean, other places, other teams can do other things. Like, if you're the Rangers, you're kind of out of luck there. You kind of have to find something else. Unless you want MSG Broadcasting, which would fit, actually. But I don't know how much advertising you could actually get out of that. Um, or I don't think, I mean, yeah, L.A. and the Staples Center. But the Staples Center usually doesn't advertise Staples that much. It's just known as the Los Angeles venue. Yeah, those are the two biggest markets in the world, though. So, or, well, at least in the United States. So I'm sure somebody will want to throw in money to get their logo. Yeah, because I think I think the Kings have a pretty big deal with that's been carrying over since the Gretzky days with McDonald's. So, but that being said, I mean a Penguins one, PPG on the helmet would be cool because I think some of these companies could get creative because, like, say your logo is a different color scheme, like PPG is blue. Maybe they want to do something cool and give us a nice yellow logo or something. It, literally just changing the blue to yellow, make it fit, make it look good. It could get fun. I mean, I'm not saying, like, get the big whole, like, NFL logo sized on the side of the helmet type deal, but something small that, first of all, you're not going to be able to see on TV, so really, who cares? And two, if it's making a little bit of extra coin for the team at a time like this, take it. I mean, think about it. You probably love most of the reverse retros out there. Guess what? Those all probably only came out because these teams weren't making money. Mm -hmm. Let's leave it at that. So I, I'm, it's, it's a good idea, and honestly, they should have done it before because the, some of these teams are hurting. Yeah, and the big thing for the NHL right now is trying to gain that revenue back that they lost last year and the revenue that they're going to lose this year by not having fans in the mm -hmm. stands because, as we've stated several, several times, this is literally like, a quote of the show it is a gate driven league so that's one thing that they're missing this year so this is going to be good for them to get a little bit of extra revenue i have no issue with it i know a lot of people are saying oh you're selling out well th there's a reason they're selling out and that's because they can't sell out stadiums yep. so honestly i i have no quorums about this i'm sure there's going to be something else that comes up that's a creative way the nhl can make money and try to get back to that revenue split that way, salary cap can go up, and the thing, the league can continue to grow. Yeah, as a whole. Yeah, that's all we need. And one little ad on the helmet, it's not the end of the world. It's not. It, it's something so small that nobody's gonna notice it. Yeah, when they're doing close-ups during like coming out of commercial break or in between whistles, yeah, you're gonna see a a logo, which is great for the brand, but it's not something that should have. It shouldn't offend anybody by any means, but you should be okay with it. Like, it, it should not irritate people, I wouldn't think. But some people get upset about it, that that's their right, but it's so small and insignificant that it should What do you matter. say we get the whole network together to come up with a helmet ad for one of the teams in the league? <laughs> I don't know which one. Who that the Vancouver Canucks because that's, that's, where, that's we're where we're based, based out of yeah. just the THPN logo right up in the if if you're looking at our video version right now right up above my head 
right about here. Yeah, that that one. Except we except we know we know this company. They they'd get that color changed. They they would totally go Vancouver colors and smack that right on oh, the yeah. helmet. They might have the gradient on it too, so we'll have to oh. make sure that they don't do that. But uh, as we move on here, we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins starting six defensemen and then we'll talk a little bit about their depth going forward. We'll be right back here on the tip of the iceberg. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey podcast network we're back here on season two episode eight of the tip of the iceberg and we're talking pittsburgh penguins defense now of course training camp is set to start in a little over a week and everything that we say here could be kiboshed by head coach mike sullivan who just goes in and throws out a completely different lineup than the one that we've seen and the one that we're going to be working with during this discussion but we're talking about the penguins defense core obviously the easy thing to say is Latang, Dumoulin, first defensive pair. That's that's going to stay that way, at least for this year and probably next year. Don't you agree? Probably, yeah. It seems to be the easy choice. And um, I just pulled up the numbers. It looks like, was it, Daily Faceoff has that line rate as like the 11th best in the NHL. So it's... That seems like a fair assessment. Yeah, nothing to scoff at. And yeah, I like it. I mean, Dumoulin is still very 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 vastly underrated but yeah no Dumoulin and Latang's the one two they have been four years and they will be for many more years at least many many is a many is a large word in that sentence you should just ignore <laughs> yeah a couple more years I could see them at the top of their game of course Dumoulin is right in his prime Latang a little bit past his prime but still playing 25 26 minutes a game Yes, he is prone to turning the puck over, but in a shortened season like this, it's going to be good for him to have a little bit less games to play overall. The shorter travel schedule will help him as well as help the rest of the team and especially guys like Crosby and Malkin. But I think Latang is primed to have a pretty good season. Last year, he finished in the top 10 in Norris voting, and the year that they did have a shortened season in 2012-13 was the closest he's come to a Norris. So expect Chris Latang to go out there if he can stay healthy, he's going to go out there and have one of the better seasons that he's had in a, in a while, is my my guess. I'm hoping that that's what happens as well, because as Latang goes, so goes the rest of this defense. And if Latang and Dumoulin are firing on all cylinders as that top pairing, as we all expect, and as I'm sure Mike Sullivan will pair them on the first day of camp as well, that means John Marino has a lot less off his shoulders on his sophomore season. Now, he is going to be second pair right D. I think that is almost as big of a lock as that first pairing. Horwat, the big question is going to be when does Marino succeed Latang? I don't think that's going to happen this season. Do you think that there's a chance that, that happens this season, or do you think he's pretty much set in that second pair right defense? Not this season. I mean, I've said it before that Latang will still be a great defenseman for a couple years to come. Um, it is only a matter of time before he starts regressing and regressing quickly. But when that time comes, you don't want to just straight up cut him because he's still a valuable part of the team. You're going to want to just knock him down a line or two, and there's nothing wrong with that toward the end of your career. I mean, 
for now, he's solid as the top line defenseman. But um, in the coming years, definitely not this year and maybe not next. Maybe we'll see through next. Um, yeah, he'll have to be pushed down to the second. John Marino getting pushed up to the first. You know, maybe another name that isn't on the team yet or isn't in the fran- is in the organization yet. Who knows? But for now, it's um, the line juggling won't happen that much between those two for now. Barring obviously barring any injury or any or anything of the sort, but yeah, for now, Latang is one. Marino too is, looks good, feels good, and give Marino another year or two, and then for sure he'll want to take a leap, and probably will take the leap into the first line. I mean, by that point, he'll have already been playing in the Olympics, right? That's that's what you're hoping that he, <laughs> he gets on that Olympic team for the Team USA in 2022. Oh, that's a hope. It's a hope and a dream. I mean. He'll have to play pretty well the next two years to do that, I think. It's not it's not out of the question, but who knows? I mean, it's not my team. It's not my <laughs> team to select, I should say. That's very true. But it, even though it seems as if it's pretty much destiny for John Marino to just ride the second unit until Chris Letang hits that fall off, let's not pretend that a John Marino-Brian Dumoulin pair would not be absolutely killer. And I'm trying to remember, is Dumoulin a right defenseman or left defenseman? Do you know off the top of your head? Left. Okay, so this would be that would be perfect mm-hmm. right now. Is a Dumoulin-Marino pairing, if something were to happen to Chris Letang this season, which hopefully that isn't the case. And with Todd Reardon back, especially somebody who Chris Letang thrived under as far as defensive coach, it should hopefully be a good season for Letang, as I said. But... If something is to happen to him, because we know about Latang's hist- injury history, John Marino and Brian Dumlin, I'm comfortable with that as the first pairing, if need be. If need be, yeah, it's um, it's a little scary because you know Marino's a new guy and Dumlin is very set in his ways as a defensive defenseman. Um, I like having Latang as the offense defenseman to pair with. Marino isn't there yet, so it's. It's a, di- it's a different mold, to, to say the least, on that. But um, he's more of a puck mover, not so much a scorer. But so be it. I mean, that's a great duo either way. I mean, who knows? We'll probably see it. We know our luck. Yeah, now here's where it gets interesting. Yeah. Obviously, Latang Dublin, first pairing. We talked about that. Also, obviously, John Marino, second pairing, right defenseman. But we all expected Marcus Pedersen to be his D partner on the second pair on the left side. But perspective lineups right now coming out have new Pittsburgh Penguin Mike Matheson who was acquired in the Patrick Hornfist trade slotting up there in this second pairing on the left side Horwath what are your thoughts about Matheson possibly starting the season with Marino on that second pairing that's an interesting choice I don't totally hate it but I don't totally love it because I mean I'm putting a lot of hope into Matheson at least I hope he works out yeah, the contract is going to be abysmal. But if he's on this team, we may as well root for him and hope for the best. I mean, yeah, third line's where we want him to be for now because Patterson is still maybe marginally better or if not very much better. I mean, we haven't seen the comparison on the same team yet. But Matheson at least has some experience and knows the position pretty well. It seems like he's going to be able to have some sort of production here and be decent and that just shows i think what we think of Pedersen. if that's really what we're gonna go with because i mean we look at Pedersen and say he's a pretty solid second line defenseman right but i mean i've always said that and then kind of thought who knows because he's still very new to the league and still very new to playing in the nhl he's still very young it's interesting he's an interesting case to say the least and I, I mean if you say Marcus Patterson's on the third line here I don't hate it but if you say Michael Matheson's on the second then I don't hate it but I don't I definitely don't love it just it's it's a different it's a weird situation yeah and it's interesting because if you tell me Marcus Patterson, where do you slot him I slot him as a second-pairing defenseman in the NHL at on basically any team at this point, minus, you know, the crazy teams that have amazing defense cores all the way through. 
I slot him as a second pairing defenseman, but if you have to ask me, is he closer to a first pairing guy or is he leaning towards a third pairing guy? I am still saying leaning towards a third pairing guy. He's not exactly what he's going to be yet. He's still developing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But also, if he's on a third pairing, he's a great third pairing defenseman in my opinion. He is a decent to could be good second pairing defenseman. So if we have him on our third pairing, that's going to make that third pairing a little bit better. And the question about Matheson, I mean, we're paying him a lot of money for a lot of years. And if you have that trust that he's going to be good, then you need to put that trust in him and put him on the second pairing. So I think it's a bold move. Of course, we have yet to see what Mike Sullivan sets these D pairings up as. I would imagine the fact that everybody is saying that he's going to be on the second pairing, that there is some credence to that fact. But we haven't yet seen what Mike Sullivan wants to put out there on day one of training camp. If that indeed is Mike Matheson, I'm fine with that for the simple reason that you're paying him a lot of money. He's going to be here a lot of years. And that's not the only reason to start a guy on the second pairing, but the amount of confidence that they've said they have in this kid, you better put him on the second pairing because if you're saying how much confidence you have, and that was such a big pivotal move this offseason for Jim Rutherford, if you have all this confidence in him, why would you put him on the third pairing? That's not really showing confidence in a defenseman by putting him on the third pairing basically to start. Put him on the second pairing with your up-and-coming superstar defenseman in John Marino and see how he can do because he can move the puck. He does have pretty good foot speed. And yes, he does make some defensive blunders, but also John Marino can probably hide that a little bit. Yeah, I, I would assume so. And I wanted to mention the money part of it but didn't get to it. You covered that. And yeah, if you're going to be paying that, paying someone that much, play them like you're paying them. I see nothing wrong with that until it backfires, i.e. Jack Johnson. But yeah, play them the way you're going to pay them to start. And then if things fall apart, forget what you're paying them, move them to where you where he needs to be for the betterment of the team. And like in a short season, you're going to have to make that decision quick. Um, it could another thing could just be that maybe they don't want to start a defensive line with two brand new players to the system. I mean, that's what the assumption that Cody Cece is the last defenseman there, and Chad Ruedel isn't getting the slot. So it all depends. But uh, if you were to tell me Marino and Matheson are starting on the second line opening day. I'm not going to worry about it that much. I'm going to watch it, see how it goes, and then worry about it. But for now, I mean, Marcus Pedersen is leaning toward a third line to a second line role. That's the kind of player he is right now. Who knows if he grows into a top defenseman in the league. But for now, him being on the second to third line sounds pretty, pretty all right. And let's be honest, I mean, this bottom four of the defensive core could get flipped around a lot this season. Yeah, it could be flipped around just basically on a regular basis for rest reasons too. So that's something else to factor it in. Yeah. How often do Chad Ruweedle and Yuso Rikula get into games just for the simple fact to, to give a rest to some of these other lower tier, to, not lower tier, but lower pair defensemen like Cody CC or a Mike Matheson or even a Marcus Pedersen to that extent. But before we get to that, you mentioned Cody Cece, of course, who's right now slotted in to be the third-pairing right-handed defenseman, along with Pedersen on his left side. So the question was all offseason, will the Penguins get a third-pairing defenseman, or will they let it be Ruedel? And then, of course, they go out and get Cody Cece, and everybody said, why didn't you just leave it to Ruedel? But let's see how Cody Cece yeah. is. It's the same thing with Mike Matheson on the second pairing, but a little bit less because we don't have as high of expectations for Cody CC. We're not paying him as much. He's only on here on a one-year contract. And, right. and basically, he's here on a loaner status until we can get a younger guy like a Cam Lee. Or am I thinking of the right guy? Yeah, Cam, Cam Lee Lee's on defense or P.O. Joseph as well. One of those guys can come up and start making a, a difference. But here's the thing with this defense, and this is something that we're going to have to be preaching. At least I'm going to preach. I don't know if you're going to preach it. I'm going to preach early in the season. Patience, patience, patience. If you watch the NFL season at the beginning for the Pittsburgh Steelers, it did not look good. And yes, it's not looking good now, but I digress on that point. But at the beginning, they did not look good, especially on offense. Couldn't get stuff together. The communication was down. It's because they didn't have a preseason. Believe it or not, preseason is important to get some things figured out. 
there will not be a preseason game for yeah. the NHL. So those first couple games, it's going to be tough, especially for new guys like Matheson and CeCe. So especially for the defense, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be some ugly hockey plays coming out of here. Be patient with them. Hope that by game 10 or 12, they have it figured out. And hope by, in the meantime, that in that time, the offense can figure it out more quicker and can help make the mistakes up so we don't fall behind the eight ball in the standings. That's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on is there's a lot of new players in this lineup. It's going to take some time to get that chemistry going. And that's the same with every team. But that's something really big for the Pittsburgh Penguins, installing two new guys in your sixth defense core. So that's a big thing for me. I don't know how to feel about Cody Cece. We'll have to wait till January 13th to see how I feel because I'm not taking anything from that training camp for, for fact or for fruit. So we'll have to see on January 13th how Cody Cece comes out and starts his Penguins career. But Horwath, what do you think about that third pairing? And do you like the fact that they're not just putting their worst two starting six guys on their third pairing? I don't mind it. It, it makes it – makes... Uh, your defensive core as a whole a little stronger because you know there's at least someone on each line who can play the good play defense um, correct and are pretty good at it because if you just start and say let's say we still had Jack Johnson and somehow picked up Cody Cece in the process if you're telling me that Johnson and Cece are on a line well we're screwed for however many minutes those two are out there together for you know that lot of time of your game is fucked. At least with with a little bit of stag- with staggering the lines a little bit, you have a better feel of, okay, we're not totally screwed out. We're not totally throwing in the towel for these 10, 15 minutes. You have something to fall back on. Now you have just one whipping boy on each line, not two. But... I think it makes a little more sense to do something like that. It's like putting a score, at least one sniper and score, on every forward line. You know you have a chance to score with any line you put out there. In, in this situation, is you know you have the chance of not letting in a goal at, with every with every line out there. You just have to see how it plays out. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think that's exactly what everybody's thinking whenever they're putting these defensive lines together. And we'll see if Mike Sullivan agrees on January 3rd, whenever they head to training camp. But here's the big thing for me. Uh, Two more questions here before we get to those. Of course, we are always brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and their new partners, Amaze Media Lab. So we would like to let everybody know that is who is presenting our show today and always the Hockey Podcast Network and partners, Amaze Media Labs. Go check out all of the shows on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're now up to probably close to 40 shows at this point. I know you like the Bar Down Breakdown show. You talked about that uh, a couple weeks ago. Of course, go check out Caps Chirp, all of the guests that we've had on here from State of Hoppy to Tom Franklin, also Michael Farley, who is now, uh, I believe it's called Rig Rat for the Edmonton Oilers. So go check out that new podcast as well. Uh, A lot of great episodes and a lot of great content on the Hockey Podcast Network, so go check those guys out. But a couple more questions here about the Pittsburgh Penguins defense before we move on and close out the show with our Pens poll. And they do circle around Chad Ruedel and Yuso Rikola. I'm going to start with Ruedel and the question I have on him. Do you think there's going to be a contest? And do you think that Ruedel has a chance to come out on top of the competition with Cody Ceci heading into training camp? I don't know how much contest there will actually be because – we seem pretty set in our ways sometimes with setting lineups. Odds are. I mean, I forget the whole taxi squad situation, but I don't know what we can do with Cody Cece if he's not playing. I don't know. Is there a healthy scratch situation in there? I forget yeah, how you have works. 23 on the active roster, which means you always have three scratches. Okay. And then you have a taxi squad of about six or seven. Okay, then ignore my taxi squad comment and move on to, yeah, I don't know if there'll be too much of a competition because the – Penguins have always been weird about starting their guys. That's it. If someone if then if someone gets hurt, okay, now guys like Chad Ruido and Yusuf Rikula, they now they can start coming into the lineup. I don't think it's gonna be too much of a competition. We're gonna see Cody sees the opening night. We should just all accept that. And like you do with any time we get a new player, give him his chance. Give him his chance. 
give him a couple, give him a game or two. If you don't like it, then all right, then go for it. I'm sure we all will be. I, I'm of the opposite belief. I think there's going to be a really good competition between these two guys going into camp. I don't think Mike Sullivan is in any position right now to set a lineup before he sees how it plays out. So I think if Chad Ruedel comes in, who he, he is already skating on Lem, the Lemieux Sports Complex ice. He's been out there since the first day, from what I can tell. So he's been out there working. I think I've also seen Mike Matheson out there working as well. I haven't seen specifically anything of Cody Cece out there just yet, but when camp rolls around, that's going to be something I think you guys need to pay attention to. Uh, check out Twitter. Check out anybody who's in the arena. Uh, Josh Yoey, who else is in there? Josh Getzoff also tweets a lot about that stuff. I know Phil Bork is usually in the arena. Check out what they're saying and check out their articles and see who you think is edging out because I think that's going to be a really tight contest between Ruedel and CeCe. Yes, they brought CeCe in, but they brought him in for a low number, and who knows what Mike Sullivan thinks of Cody CeCe. I would hope that Rutherford ran it by him before signing him, but at the same time, sometimes the GM signs a guy and the coach doesn't want to play him. Watch Moneyball. There's example number one. So here's the thing about this whole situation. Chad Ruedel has a one-way contract. They signed that before they knew about the taxi squad. So I feel like he's going to have a really good opportunity to beat out Cody Cece if Cece isn't on his game. I'm excited to see that. I'd like to see Chad Ruedel possibly make the opening day roster. I mean, he the guy has definitely earned it over the past couple of seasons. He has been there for the Pittsburgh Penguins in basically any situation they need him for. But at the same time, if he can't beat out Cece, who does have some pretty good foot speed, has been able to move the puck pretty decently, but again, prone to those big mistakes, whereas Ruedel does not make the big mistake. He plays basically the, the hockey version of small ball in his own end there. So we'll see what happens with that, but I'm telling you right now, that is going to be a competition to keep your eye on. You're, you know, you're not, you might not be wrong. I just, I was just kind of making an assumption that there wouldn't be. Um, I do remember before the Jack Johnson trade and a little bit after yeah it's like right after the Matheson trade uh Jim Rutherford said there will be a competition for that spot basically he straight up said it so odds are there might be and I kind of forgot about that quote until just now uh, I'm not gonna walk back my thought though I mean what I said is what I said and odds are I still don't think there'll be that much of a competition but we'll have to see I mean I guess technically there will be if I mean let's say Chad Ruedel blows everyone out of the water in training camp and in the zero preseason games we have then all right yeah then he's gonna earn his spot and then that made it a competition i mean isn't i mean the preseason games is kind of what made john marino in in pittsburgh last season i mean we won't, we won't have that situation to look at again but it took i mean every time there was a new line of cuts i kept seeing john marino survive and i'm thinking who the hell is this dan marino's son like who is this <laughs> who's this defenseman that we seem to be putting a lot of stock into he's surviving all these cuts i'd never heard of him i didn't even really know about the trade to acquire him so and then here he is making here he was making starting rosters you know a few games into the season calder so, votes yeah and then getting into calder situation so i mean who knows how much of a competition there will be in training camp you really gotta i mean training camp is way different than games we know this so really, the competition might not be noticed until four or five games into the season. Yeah, that's very fair as well. And now you mentioned John Marino made his name with the training camp and the preseason games last year. Somebody else that has been a preseason superstar is Yuso Rikula. Here's the question, Horwat. Do you think that he has a shot to crack the top six coming out of camp? And then also... If not, if you don't think he has a shot to crack the top six defense-wise, where does he play first? Does he play on the defense first, or does he play as a spare winger first? I'd rather have him not play at all than play forward again. But I don't think he does. I don't know why. It might just be because we're paying Matheson a ton of money, and we're not pay not paying CeCe a ton of money, but we're paying him money, and Chad is there. And you might, might have Pio Joseph there as well. It, it's going to be a hard competition for him. And I know we signed him to play him, but he might not be able to. 
yet. Uh, who knows? It's he's in such a weird situation, and it sucks for him. But just the way things look now, I mean, the way we haven't really brought up his name until just now, he might not be getting in a top six role for a little while. Yeah, when you say Chad Ruedel has to impress to become a opening night starter, Yusuf Rikla has to do that and then ten thing like ten times yeah. that, because. For some reason, it seems like the coaching staff is not the biggest fan. We'll see what Todd Reardon can do coming in and coaching him for the very first time. That might change something. Who knows with Yuso Rikla? I don't think he 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 doesn't he's not going to get any starts at winger because of how many players the Penguins acquired for the bottom six in this offseason. Plus the taxi squad, they'll they'll have people to pick from. They won't have to worry about going shorthanded when it comes to forwards heading into the season. But we are he is right now the eighth guy on the depth chart with two guys nipping at his heels in Lee and also Joseph. So he's going to have to fight hard even to keep his standing where he's at. I feel like they signed him for the simple fact that if those guys aren't ready, he's added depth. But at the same time, you also have Kevin Churchman, who's down there, who we haven't talked about, probably won't talk about. You also have Zach Trotman, who has some NHL experience. The Penguins have a lot of guys that can play, but not a lot of guys that can play at a high and elite level that will be able to excel in these big games, in these division games that are going to be happening from game one to game 56. Ricola, I could see making his way into the lineup to kind of give either CeCe a blow or Pedersen a blow. But I don't see guys like Trotman or, or Churchman coming in. And I definitely don't see Rikla coming in at a wing position because of how important each of these games are. You, you just don't want to mess around with something like that. Yeah, and even beyond you know, guys you had mentioned, there's still uh, Josh Maniscalco, who we picked up, is another college signing. Like We have so much defensive depth now for the future that it's a damn wonder. Like Thinking back on it, really because of how much defensive depth we have built for the future not just for the now but why now it makes the matheson trade look even more questionable because he's signed forever in a day but we have all these young defensemen that um will be nhl ready probably who knows in a couple seasons and now i'm really questioning the trade again well i shouldn't have looked at cap friendly but hey everybody needs a leader so if Latang goes away then you have your leader there Mike Matheson, leader of men. Think of how, when when you say... Well, I guess leader of boys. When you say Latang's leaving, and you, how much money do you think you're saving there? Because Matheson's sa- only making like and two, two so million dollars more. You're, you're not saving any money. And by, the, by Latang leaving, I mean retiring either after this season and next season when his contract is up, or in like a couple years, because let's not forget, we have like you said, Mike Matheson for forever in a day. So all these young guys can come up and learn under him in 2025. Mike Matheson is younger than Brian Dumoulin. There, be sad, everyone. <laughs> be sad. Is Dumoulin the second oldest on the... Uh, no, CeCe's probably older than, than Dumoulin, correct? Dumoulin? No. So the oldest is Latang, obviously. Then it goes Chad Ruedel, who is 30. Oh, that's true. I, I, I always forget about how old Chad is. Uh, then Dumoulin, who is 29. Okay. Uh, and then it goes to the 27-year-olds, which is Ricola and Cece. And then 26 is Matheson, 24 Pedersen, and there's Marino at 23. So be sad, everyone. So Yuso Ricola and Cody Cece are the same age. It just goes to show you that people can enter the NHL in very different stages of their life. I don't, I'm not going to dig into how far apart they are, uh, in age-wise within that year, but Cody CC makes an extra $100,000. Yeah, so not, they're basically at the same place right now, fighting for a depth spot on the Pittsburgh Penguins, making the same amount of money, yet Cody CC's been in the league for, what, four, five, six seasons? Used and, to be a Yusa decent Rikla, name in Ottawa. Yeah, and, and Yusa Rikla is heading into his third season with the Pittsburgh Penguins, but has only played a grand total of basically one full season as far as games played is concerned. But. Oof. Any other thoughts or comments on the Pittsburgh Penguins defense before we move on to our pens poll? Uh, anything other than I'm excited about our defensive core in the minors right now? No, I got nothing. 
everything except for the current last place Wheeling Nailers. We will be getting into our minor league minute on our Wednesday episode. And then we're, or sorry, excuse me, our Thursday episode. And we'll also be talking at that point, kind of catching you guys up on the World Juniors, which are going on as we speak. But right now we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have our pens pull. I'm Corey Franza. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What? Did I just listen to? Oh, this game! This game is this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh! I actually—they actually make me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty? What? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melted? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh God! Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. As I mentioned several times on this show, we are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky with Nick Horwat here on Season 2, Episode 8 of the Tip of the Iceberg. I should probably get a countdown for how many days we have left until the NHL returns, but we'll, we'll get that for the next episode. We're going to finish this episode off with our Pens poll. This week's poll was, which of these former Penguins is most underrated. Alexei Kovalev wins the poll with 51% of the votes. Kevin Stevens comes in second place, grabbing the pseudo silver medal in this competition, getting 27% of the votes. And Ron Francis, the franchise, gets 22% of the vote and runs in third and last place. Horwat, who did you vote for? I voted for Kovalev, and I kind of used deductive reasoning i don't know exactly Mm -hmm. i kind of used reasoning on this because i looked at ron francis and figured i mean he was the number one center year when mario wasn't around he was the captain before uh during yeah during lemieux's first retirement and before yager left before he left i should say so he was the captain and the number one center and we got him as a number one center um because we knew that uh, Mario was going to be missing a ton of time for his first back surgery. So we picked him up as a first-line center. We knew what he was here for, and he proved it. He became a fairly good franchise player. I mean, there are people that argue his number should be retired here. I can't totally disagree with that. I don't fully agree with it either, but I don't fully disagree with it. And then there's Kevin Stevens, who I guess you could say he's underrated. I mean, two 100-point seasons, played alongside Mario, but he was no Alexei Kovalev, who really meant something to this team because there was no Mario again for a short time that he was here. And he played with Yager, and it was on a weird team, but played so well. And I think the fact that he was kind of on a shit team lends a hand to how good he really was. When you're the best player on a bad team, you get remembered. Am I right, Dick Tarnstrom? Yeah, are you right, Josh? Be- oh, wait, that one's a little oh. But uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates are, are a shitstorm, so we'll, we'll try to stay away from that. But as far as this goes, I like your, your analysis on all of that. Yeah. Yes, Ron Francis is a guy that was voted in the NHL Top 100. But at the same time, he was the quietest guy, I feel like, voted in the NHL Top 100. You mentioned there's people that say his number should be retired here. But at the same time... You go down and ask people who Pittsburgh Penguins captains are since Mario Lemieux, most people would just say Yager and Crosby. It's the problem of not of how good he was and how important he was to the team. It's how many good players he played with, that he was still the second or third best player on a team, yet he was still would have been the best player on any of the other teams playing in that league. Ron Francis was not my vote, but I, I really think that he's criminally underrated. And, of course, the spotlight will be on him later this year as he is the general manager of the new Seattle Kraken expansion team. So we'll see what he can do in the front office. But as far as on the ice is concerned, the guy is a Hockey Hall of Famer. The guy is a Stanley Cup champion. The guy is an all-time great. And he is, of course, NHL Top 100 I still feel like people don't give him his credit and don't say, 
hey, he's top five all time. He could be in that conversation. He could be in the top 10 all time conversation. I feel like he needs to be in that conversation a little bit more going forward. And that's why I feel like he's a little underrated. As far as Alexei Kovalev, you hit the nail right on the head, man. Mm -hmm. He is the best player on a bunch of bad teams. The guy also went on to have a great career with the New York Rangers. He had a great career with the Montreal Canadiens. He came back to Pittsburgh and, and he played, I guess, is the best way to play. <laughs> it's the best way to explain that entire thing. But Alexei Kovalev is a guy that was a superstar for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the early 2000s, which sans Mario Lemieux, that's a hard thing to say for a lot of the players that played on those teams and then kevin stevens is where my vote went yes he came in second in this poll but he got my vote for the simple reason that he is right up there with ron francis as far as the talent on that team if you go back and talk to or read any of the books or read any of the, of the stories where you talk to players from the 91 92 teams they say kevin stevens was one of the if not the most important guys behind mario lemieux I mean, you, you talk about Mark Recchi being an all-time great Pittsburgh Penguin. I would argue that Kevin Stevens was a greater Pittsburgh Penguin easily than Mark Recchi. Yeah. You argue, you know, you, you talk to Brian Trottier, you, you talk to Phil Bork. They all say Kevin Stevens is was the guy on those teams. He was the guy that demanded excellence. As, as much as Lemieux, just by his presence, did that, Kevin Stevens did that with his his voice he voiced that he was one of the big vocal leaders of those early penguin stanley cup champions teams and i don't think he gets enough due of course the head injury and then the issues with addiction that all came later and of course it's a fantastic story and if you haven't heard it or haven't you know watched i think there's a short video on youtube if you look at kevin stevens there's a documentary but i think he's criminally underrated in the city of pittsburgh and i think no, he, he, he's not a Hall of Fame talent quite, but he's definitely up there. I feel like he could be in consideration, and if not, he's still somebody that should be a Pittsburgh Penguins Hall of Famer in my book. Yeah, and I think he is always going to be remembered as one of the great Penguins. I mean, there's no doubting it. Um, I'm trying to remember how much recognition he has gotten from the team because I know the, pen the team has kind of gotten away from their Penguins Hall of Fame that I know they tried doing for a while. Uh, Mellon and Civic Arena had a permanent Ring of Honor display, and I'm just trying to remember if that if he was on that, because I think that's kind of what um, we used as number retirements in this town or in this team for a little while. So if he was in on that, I mean that's kind of the thing, I guess. I don't know how to put it. It's what we used basically. Yeah, that that was the, the big measuring stick for Pittsburgh Penguins Hall of Famers if you were on the ring at Mellon Arena. Yeah. But in 874 career games played, that's not all with the Pittsburgh Penguins, but in 874 career games played, the guy had 726 points. But as you mentioned, there were some seasons, 123 points in 1991-92, 111 in 92-93. The guy was an integral part of some of the best Pittsburgh Penguins teams. And then, of course, you also talk about the penalty minutes. He still does lead Evgeny Malkin for the Penguins' lead in penalty minutes, franchise history-wise at least. And, of course, it's pretty easy to say whenever you look at 1991-92, 254 penalty minutes, something that is unfathomable in today's nhl and i definitely butchered that word but we're just going to keep going past it but yeah unfathomable is the way that you need to say that and and you have a cat <laughs> yeah and, and, and my cat has missed me because i haven't been here for a couple days so he, he's trying to crawl on my lap but i digress on that point but like i said kevin stevens if you haven't heard of his name which i know a lot of penguins fans have but if you have not search it up look at some of his career you know, highlight reels, look at his career statistics, watch that documentary. He is now a public speaker. We'll have to see possibly, we might try to get him on this show. Of course, that'd be a long shot, but it'd be nice to try to get him on the show. We'll have to see if we can, but my vote went with Kevin Stevens, but of course, no disrespect to Alexei Kovalev and Ron Francis, who are also both very underrated as far as Pittsburgh Penguins go. Yeah. And if you want to hear more about Kevin Stevens, he did a great interview with Spitting Chicklets. He's also just a funny guy. I mean, He's, got, He's a Boston boy. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that. So, I mean, yeah, and he was on the Ring of Honor. I just found that out. He was not 
put into the Penguins Hall of Fame, but I don't really think we care about that anymore. Seems like we did for a while. I don't know what we happened. We should. There. The Pittsburgh Steelers do a really good job with their Hall of Fame or Hall of Honor is what yeah. they call it. The Pittsburgh Penguins should take pride in that because it is a very rich history and we are two people that like to consider ourselves at least Penguins historians and I'm trying to get, become a hockey historian reading some of the older books. But oh, I also got one that you'd probably like. It's a history of the Oakland Seals. So uh, <laughs> That's good. Unless you have anything else, I think that's going to be it for this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. We have another episode, I believe our final episode of 2020 coming up on Thursday. New Year's Eve. Any last words? That'll be New Year's Eve, that Thursday episode. You had mentioned before that you wanted to have a countdown for how many uh, days until the season. Yeah, on the for the Thursday episode, it'll be 13 days. It's as easy as that. There we go. Yeah, uh, our next episode will be New Year's Eve. Uh, uh, I think we've already gone over the New Year's Eve plans. It's going to be nothing. It's going to be laid back. It's going to be reminiscing on times that Shoehead and Bastard Chef became uh, household staples. And, yeah, it's yeah. we'll see you New Year's, I guess. I got nothing else. Yeah, I know my New Year's plans are going to be sit down and relax because last year I was working at a bar downtown in Pittsburgh. And that was not a fun experience. No, I did make some some pretty good money, but at the same time, I was dead tired and I probably didn't move until the third of the new year. So, but that's going to be it for this episode. We will see you guys on Thursday. We will see you guys on New Year's Eve. Have a good week. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.